right, well, thank you. Every fall, I, I think of that hymn, and for some reason, it always, always comes to mind, and so I'm glad, I'm glad we were able to sing it today. Uh, if you guessed, we're continuing on in our series in the book of Matthew. Uh, we're in Matthew chapter 7 this morning, verses uh, 1 through 6. In your pew Bible, that is going to be page number 971. Um, I will be kind of throwing verses up on the screen, so you are uh, welcome to, to follow along uh, as well uh, on the screens. Or you can open to your own Bible if you have that, either way. So, we're going to get you God's Word this morning. As I was preparing this message, um, uh, I'm weird, so just hang with me there for a second. The, the, what came to my mind was Twitter. Um, I spent about nine months on there, it was about the worst nine months of my life. Um, but, you know, Jesus is talking about judgment, and we kind of live in this, this weird cultural moment where, like, the worst thing we can possibly do is to make a judgment call about someone else. I mean, you, how dare you judge me? But we are also kind of have the same thing going on where we, like, disagree with someone, and we have to cancel them. Like, they, we, they, someone can't hold a dissenting opinion. We just need to completely get rid of them and make it so they can't talk. And that's basically what Twitter is. Just like in a little tweet kind of microcosm. So if you ever want to see where we're at culturally, spend six months there. It'll be plenty of time. But it's a, it's a stunning, we live in kind of this stunning moment in history, and it really is. Jesus talks about judgment in Scripture. And, you know, I was reading this, I asked questions. Are we truly not to judge people? Is he talking about bad judgment? Is there a good judgment? And is he talking about everyone? Is he talking about just in the Christian community? And we're going to get at what Jesus is getting at, and what he's really drilling down to is a matter of the heart. And we aren't supposed to judge people. We can make judgment calls. We can look and assess what's going on in people's lives. But we shouldn't judge people. And I'm going to give you two examples. Uh, one is uh, one that I, I had read uh, a few years ago, and one is from my life. Um, so first example, we talk about judgment, okay? bad judgment. Uh, 1884, a young man died. And after the funeral, his grieving parents decided to establish a memorial to him, okay? Um, so with this in mind, Charles Eliot, the president of Harvard University, Eliot received this unpretentious couple into his office, and he asked, he said, what can I do for you? And they expressed a desire to start a memorial, and Eliot impatiently said, perhaps you have in mind a scholarship. They said, we're thinking of something substantially bigger, perhaps a building. And Elliot looked at them, and in a patronizing tone, he said, he just, no, 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 he kind of brushed them aside. You're not going to be able to do a building. I mean, look at you. That's too expensive. And so the couple departed. Well, lo and behold, next year, uh, this couple uh, took $26 million, this is 1986, by the way, and started the Leland Stanford Junior University, which is better known today as Stanford. Bad judgment call. I've made a few bad judgment calls in my life. You, you probably have as well, and I could have certainly used some embarrassing ones this morning. But I made a judgment call, and I think part of what Jesus is getting at, on, on someone uh, a, about a year or so back, and he looks like this. Okay, his name is Callie Sherrill. And I looked at him, and I said, no. Nah. Okay. But I didn't know his story. There's a reason he looks like that. He grew up rough upbringing, uh, lived a rough life in gangs, a lot of things going on. And he actually became a Christian later on in life. Okay? 
So this is what he looks like now. There's really no changing things at this point. But Callie has been saved by Jesus, and he is an evangelist. And he is able to share the message of Jesus with people. A lot of normal-looking people, I use the word normal in quotes, wouldn't be able to do. But I saw him, and I went, nah. But he has an amazing story, amazing testimony, and God is using him in amazing places to change people's lives. So when Jesus is talking about judgment this morning, are we allowed to make a judgment call? What is judgment? What if we have a brother or sister in Christ who's drifting away from the Lord? Are we not supposed to say anything? Can we say something? Uh, can we look at life? Can we, make, can we make judgment? Can we say, hey, I don't want my kids hanging out with this person because of X, Y, Z. Are we allowed to do that or not? Can we rebuke or correct a brother or sister? What I think we're going to see it this morning is that, yes, we are to make judgment calls, but they should be made in humility, not hypocrisy, because Jesus is going to say we're all in the same boat together and we're, we're no different. Ultimately, we're going to see this morning that when looking at others, we must examine other people, but we do it through love only after examining our own hearts and lives. So let's look at Jesus says this morning. The first thing he's going to tell us is that we view other Christians, and I would say other people, with charity and grace. Jesus says this. He says, judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. So Jesus in this text, what he's primarily talking about is the, the Christian community of God's people, um, and he's really kind of talking about looking at people's lives and seeing maybe some sinful uh, stuff going on there. These principles we're going to talk about this morning can be applied to, to just the general public, but primarily what he's getting at is the community of God. And the first thing Jesus tells us within the community of God is when we look at others, he says, judge not that you be judged. Primarily what he's getting at here is we are to not to judge other people because only God, Jesus, is the judge of the living and the dead. In other words, we're not to make judgment calls on, on people's salvations, their standing with God, and, and especially we're going to see in a harsh, prideful, self-righteous way. Jesus tells us, he says, the manner in which you the manner in which you judge other people, how you look at other people, how you cast judgment, how you do that, he says, you're going to be judged by God in the same way. He says, how you judge, how you pronounce judgment, God will judge you similarly. How you measure people, God is going to measure you. And we're still in the Sermon on the Mount here. Jesus, so far in his teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, he's talked about some positive ways of how we're supposed to interact with people. He said that we're supposed to be radically forgiving, both in, in forgiving other people and also seeking forgiveness when we sin. We saw that in Matthew 6.12, and we saw in Matthew 5 in the Beatitudes that we're supposed to be meek, humble, mourn our sin, and be filled with extravagant mercy, I said, for other people. Now here Jesus tells us that we're to extend extravagant grace towards all people we interact with, even people who seem to be straying from God or who we see are living in a sinful manner. 
Now, Jesus is not saying we aren't supposed to look at people's lives and actions and make a judgment call. We are to do that, but we're not to judge people. We must look at people's lives, especially people we care about. If you have a brother or sister in the Lord, and they're drifting away from God, to not try to engage them and pull them back into relationship with Jesus is just as wicked as judging them harshly. We must make judgment calls based on actions. However, we are never to judge people, trying to hurt people. We do not try to knock people back into place. We cannot do that. That is the Holy Spirit's job to convict. But our goal is to lovingly, tenderly point people back towards Jesus with love and grace and kindness and genuine care for their soul. Some of you this morning have experienced harsh judgment in the church. You've experienced that and it's wounded you. And and as I like to say, church hurt is is real hurt. You've experienced that. You've been hurt by the church. Maybe you've been hurt by this church. And I'm sorry. I'm truly sorry about that. F.B. Meyer says this. When we're thinking about looking into people's life, he says this. He says, when we see a brother or sister in sin, there are two things we don't know. First, we do not know how hard he or she tried not to sin. And second, we do not know the power of the forces that assailed him or her. We also do not know what we would have done in the same circumstances. To sum up, the command to judge not is not a requirement to be blind. It's not to ignore everything going around. But it's a plea to be generous in how you look at others. Jesus does not tell us to cease being men and turn our brains off, suspending our critical powers of reasoning, which distinguish us from animals, but to renounce the presumptuous ambition to be God and put ourselves in the judgment seat of God, setting ourselves up as judges over others. Jesus moves on. He's going to tell us that we, before we even talk to anyone, we are to examine our own life before examining our brother's. He says this, Jesus continues, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? Jesus is a master storyteller, and this illustration is, it it is just as someone who used to to do construction, I just picture someone with a big two-by-four sticking out of their eye. But but what Jesus is getting at, what he's drilling down to as human beings, we're all in the same boat. We're all in the same boat together. We all have sin. We all have hang-ups. We all have hurts. We all have bad habits. And we're all the walking wounded, walking towards Jesus. And what he's saying is we need to come alongside each other and help sometimes carry us, pick us up, and help us move towards Jesus. When we put ourselves as the judge, we're saying, I don't have sin, essentially, and 1 John 1.8 says this, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Jesus says, don't look at your brother or sister with, harsh, with a harsh judgment and attitude. You are no different. In fact, he's saying, your sin may be even greater than the person you're trying to correct. You're maybe going to rebuke someone in harsh judgment, and your sin might be greater. Be careful. 
Why do you see the speck, the little speck of dust that is in your brother's eye, but you're ignoring the giant log of sin in your own eye, Jesus says. We, we can't be hypocrites. This is what he's getting at. You cannot be a hypocrite. You must examine your own lives, examine your heart, examine what's going on before even talking to another brother or sister in Christ to correct them. This means, by the way, that we're regularly being introspective, looking into our own hearts and lives about what is going on with us. Are we struggling with sin? Is there a pattern of sin? So we're killing sin regularly in our lives. Jesus, in many ways, as he often does, is talking about an attitude of the heart towards others and how we see them. Are we judging them and being harsh while ignoring and not noticing our own sin? If we're doing that, we're acting self-righteously like a hypocrite. And Jesus says, oh, how great the judgment is for those that act like hypocrites. You too will be judged harshly if you judge others harshly. Should we not then look at our brother in light of our own lives and treat them in a way we would want to be treated? When correcting a fellow Christian, it's the attitude of the heart. That's the key component Jesus is getting at. We must take stock of all of it. In all of our attitudes and behaviors towards others, we need to play neither the judge, being harsh and censorious and condemning, nor the hypocrite, blaming others while excusing our own sin. But the brother, caring for others so much that we first blame and correct ourselves, and then seek to be constructive in the help that we give to other people. Jesus continues on, he's going to tell us, so we have to uh, not be harsh in judging, we have to take stock of where our own heart is at, and then we need to deal with your own sin before helping your brother. He says, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. We cannot see clearly to help our fellow Christian if we haven't dealt with our own sin first. After we've examined our attitude for correcting another person thoroughly, Jesus tells us we must remove our own sin before we even talk to someone else about their sin. Now, I don't think Jesus is saying here that we need to be perfect, that we need to be sinless. We just talked about John told us that that, that is not the case. But we, we need to be living in a way where we're not in a habitual pattern of sin. Sin isn't ruling our lives. We don't have some, some, some ishy things going on. Now, and I don't want to scare anyone here, but I need a volunteer. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I promise. I need a volunteer. Okay, Jonathan, come up. I want you to stand uh, right there facing that wall. Yes. Yep, and look right there. Now, I was fortunate to have, um, um, I was fortunate enough to uh, get a piece of two-by-four. Um, this is worth, I think, $68 in, in, modern, in modern money, but thank you, Jason. So this is the imagery Jesus is giving us, and it, and it, and it is meant to be kind of ridiculous. Not that Jesus is ridiculous, but he, he's just screaming at you uh, the truth of this. So my, my brother, Jonathan, here, he's struggling with sin. He's got a speck of sin, but I have a log in my own eye, okay? I have a log in my own eye. I promise I'm not going to hurt you. I have fairly good vision, I think. So if I'm going to come and I'm going to inspect Jonathan's eye and I have a log in my own eye, can I get close enough to help him? What if I start to get really close and I have a lot of sin in my life? Am I going to hurt him if I come charging in here with this log? Yeah. 
I'm going to hurt him. That's what Jesus is partly getting. And when you have a log of sin in your own eye, you can go sit down. I appreciate it. Let's give him a round of applause, right? You never know. You never know what's going to happen. But if you come charging in without thinking about anything, you have a lot of sin in your life, you have issues, and you really, really want to correct someone, I'm going to almost say, boy, you probably have the wrong attitude and you have some stuff going on in your life. Now, just imagine with me, you know, you're going to talk with someone who's struggling with lust, but but you're cheating on your spouse. Like, this is kind of the idea Jesus is giving us. Or you're going to talk with someone that maybe has a drinking problem, but you're stealing from your company. Like, doesn't, it doesn't work. It's a log. It is a log in your own eye. It is sticking out. You are not going to be able to get close enough to do any spiritual good for that person because you have your own things going on in your life. Not that any of us are perfect, but it's a command it's to slow down before we engage someone else who we think we need to correct. Slow down. Look at your own life first. Chrysostom, who's a... Uh, famous theologian way, way, way back, 1,500 years ago, says that we are to correct him or her, those that have sinned, but not as a foe, but as an adversary, or an adversary exacting a penalty, but as a physician who, who meticulously addresses the problem. So what Jesus is getting at, our Christian duty that is not to see the speck in our brother's eye while at the same time ignoring or not noticing the log of sin in our own eye, Still less to say to our brother, let me grab that speck out of your eye while I've not taken the giant two-by-four sticking out of my own eye. But rather it's this. First, we must examine our lives, our hearts, remove the log of sin from our own eye, so then with resulting clarity of vision, we will be able to see the speck clearly, we'll be able to tenderly remove it from our brother or sister. I talked in the beginning of this sermon about judgment. On one hand, we're not to judge someone harshly, hypocritically. And I made a real mess of that. When I judged Callie, I saw just my immediately thought of, his, of what he looked like was, was absolute wicked judgment. He's doing more stuff for the Lord than I am. God is using him in miraculous ways. People are coming to faith through his evangelism like, like, you wouldn't believe, but I didn't know a story. I didn't know what was going on. I had a heart issue in my own life why I judged him. And I acted like a fool, and it was wicked. On the flip side of that, our culture says we can't judge anyone. We can't even look at anyone's life and say, I don't think that's a good idea. But that's not true either. We must not judge harshly, but we certainly must be able to evaluate people's actions, words, and circumstances with empathy and grace as a fellow sinner on the way to Jesus. The mark of true discipleship in community is the responsibility that disciples uh, have to each other. We, have, we all have this responsibility. And this responsibility includes to help each other remove the speck of sin from each other's eyes, but it must come from a humble and self-examined life that has removed the plank of self-righteous judgment. Then the process of restoration may occur with the correct attitude. William F. Warren says this, after self-criticism takes place, relationships are based on redemptive empathy rather than condemning detachment. That's the key. So let's, if we're going to make, if we're going to do this well, how do we do this, okay? 
As, as a community of believers together, how do we do this well? The first thing you must do is you must check where your heart is at before correcting someone else. If you feel like you want to go talk to someone about what you see going on in their life, stop what you're doing right now. Stop. Stop what you're doing. What is your motivation to correct, reprove, or rebuke that person? What is your motivation? Why are you planning to talk to that person about their sin issue you see in their life? Stop. Check your heart first. Ask questions like this. Um, Am I harboring bitterness towards that person? Is there bitterness in my heart? Do I have hatred or anger or malice that I'm harboring towards that person? Am I going to them out of anger? We must not go with a judgmental attitude. I am superior than you, so I'm going to judge your sin because you don't understand your own sin yourself. We are not to judge. Only God is the judge. He is a just judge, and he's a good judge. Where is my attitude at? Am I going in an attitude of grace? Do I want to help this person? Do I want to do spiritual good? Am I going in good faith? Stop. Ask yourself some of those questions. Maybe. Okay, secondly, remove your own planks. So you've examined your heart. Now, of your attitude, now you need to examine your sin in your life if you're going to go talk to that person. So if we feel though we're going in in, in grace and in love and, and in a good attitude to talk to this person, then we must continue to stop and examine our own lives. Am I living in a state of sin? Do I have... Am I trapped in addiction? Do I have my own patterns of sin going on in my life that are possibly even greater than their other person? You need to deal with your own sin first. Deal with your own sin before you worry about someone else. If you are struggling with sin, I would say stop what you're doing. Don't go talk to the person. Deal with your own issues. And I think tied in with that, Jesus is saying um, that we need to be regularly dealing with our own sin in our lives. Sometimes our brother or sister does need a loving rebuke or correction. How are we able to do that if we're mired in sin and we have a plank sticking out of our eyes? We can't. So we also need to be continually dealing with sin in our own life. Kill your sin in your life so you can be spiritual good for someone else. So you can engage your brother or sister in love, pointing them back to Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Thirdly, so we've examined our inner heart, we've examined our sin, we've seen, okay, I don't, I don't have any major sin going on. Then you can go correct with love, grace, and charity. This means you never correct with harsh judgment, a bad attitude, or a critical spirit. You never come in as I'm holier than thou. You're coming realizing you're both sinners in desperate need of God's grace. You're in the same boat together. There's no self-righteous judgment. You're a sinner saved by the blood of Jesus all by the blood of Christ, not of your own works, but of him. It's all his grace. You're in the same boat. Our goal is not to hurt people, but to lovingly, tenderly come alongside them and lift them back up and point them back to Jesus, the one who saves them. And is this not how Jesus rebukes and corrects us? Jesus never rebukes his children out of anger, but out of love. And he loves you, and he certainly does rebuke you. And he certainly does correct you. And he certainly does send people into your lives to to bring you back into the fold. I mean, the whole uh, parable of the 99 sheep and Jesus leaves for the one, it's the same imagery. He's got 99 sheep, one has gone astray. What does he do? 
He goes and he chases down the sheep. He fights off the wolves. He pulls it out of the ditch. He brings it back. He tenderly cleans the sheep and wraps the sheep up, its wounds and bandages, and holds it in close. And then when it's ready to be put back in the flock, he puts it back in the flock. Jesus continues to do that. And he wants to do it through you. He continually does that. And he wants to do it through you. So how you go and address someone who's struggling with sin, go be like Jesus to them. Help them, bind them up, bring them back into the flock. Don't go with judgment and a harsh, self-righteous attitude. All you're going to do is harm them. Go with tender love and care and grace. Bring them back into God's flock. Clean them up. Walk with them as they get going on the right track. That's, that's what Jesus is getting at. So yes, we are to in some ways make judgment calls, but we never judge a person. Yes, we must evaluate where people are at, but we never do it harshly and we first evaluate our own sin before we even talk to someone else. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I, I'm thankful that I, that I serve a God so loving a God so merciful, a God so filled with grace and care for me that he sent his son, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, to take on human flesh, to come and dwell among us, God dwelling among us, to be ridiculed, to go through everything terrible that we go through. He's mocked, he's ridiculed, he was abandoned, he was beaten and spit on and scourged and crucified. God, because you went out and rescued us and brought us back in. God, may we model that. May we model that. May we go out and and lovingly seek those who are lost, bringing them back into your fold, God, through your grace, through your love, through your kindness. We thank you and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.